Well, everybody, it's time for a big return here on the SmackDown 6 podcast. Am I talking about Kurt Angle? Kind of. The voice you're hearing right now is your host, Matt Vaughn. And this is the SmackDown 6 podcast, where every week we cover an episode of SmackDown or a pay-per-view from the SmackDown 6 era of SmackDown. And today I'm talking about returns. And one of the very best people in my life who's returning to the podcast is none other than an occasional guest co-host. You know him from Punchboard Party on YouTube. It's Daniel Pettipa. How you doing, buddy? How's it going, Matt? Great to be here. Love, love to be returning in all my glory. I hope that my smile is as big as Kurt Angle's since he came down that ramp this week. Holy Toledo. Well, it looks just as bright as Kurt did to me. And I have to say, Daniel, I tried so hard to license a Coldplay song for your return. I tried to make it all work together. You know how hard it is to do a audio montage over a Coldplay song for a podcast? There's no video. We can't do it like that. We have to fly out on the previous it, it, it would just be a Coldplay song, I think. But it would be with you being like, and that's exactly it. Like you'd just be like saying lines over top or just be like, Shawn Michaels is my favorite man and things like that. So, uh, yeah, I, in lieu of doing that, I decided to have you on the podcast in full. And we're talking about this because this is the episode where Kurt Angle returns to SmackDown after being uh, having a broken neck at WrestleMania. And two months later, he's like, surprise, I'm fine. Fine. In air, I want like 15 air quotes. <laughs> fine. 15 or 22. Yeah, for sure. His, yeah. His, his life's about to start going downhill in some major ways here. So. <laughs> Yeah, um, he got a couple. He got a couple more years of like you know holding it together, but yeah, I would say uh, you know the only people who's are in Kurt Angle's sphere who are gonna have like a good couple years would be the people who help him get prescription drugs. Probably that would be the the only people who are benefiting from that. So, folks, so the episode we're talking about today is the June fifth, two thousand three episode of SmackDown. It's the first episode in June two thousand three. How exciting is that? Uh, very exciting. Uh, it taped. On June 3rd, 2003, uh, it was a, uh, it emanated from the Arrowhead Pond in Anaheim, California, now the Honda Center. Uh, and uh, we like covering the TV ratings here on this podcast as well. And like I keep saying for the last, like, I don't know, 15 episodes, I've been like, you know, it's the rating for SmackDown will not be raw until June. But now June's here. Now, the, the important thing to point out is it's not this week. <laughs> this week does not beat SmackDown yet. It's close. <laughs> it's doing better, trending in a better direction, but it has yet to be. SmackDown, or sorry, it has to be Raw as SmackDown. Spoiler, it's next week. Uh, so that'll be great for us. And uh, well, well, I was watching, yeah. and I was like, oh, this might be the one. Like, the, the, this feels like an episode that could get us there. And so it totally makes sense that it's next week because it's like, oh, SmackDown is doing something right. Okay, I'll tune in again. Exactly. It's it it does it does make a lot of sense. Also, funny, next week is the 200th episode of SmackDown, though you wouldn't know it from watching the show. They don't hype that at all. No, no, they're they're all about Lesnar Big Show. That's that's their only thing. <sighs> they're all about Lesnar Big Show. There you go, Daniel. You said it. You said the thing that makes my heart fall within me. We'll talk about it when we get to the parts of the show where we talk about that. But I am not overly thrilled with that as a thing, despite knowing how history works and what that turns out to be. <laughs> right. Uh, not overly thrilled by that. Uh, so <laughs> let's start tonight. Uh, you know, last week's episode. Uh, just to catch everybody up here, uh, we had. What happened in last week? What was last week's episode here? Well, Undertaker came back to the ring, right? That was the whole thing. Uh, Undertaker came back to in-ring action. That's right. They had the whole... Yeah, okay. Now I'm remembering, folks. I'm remembering. Main events, Undertaker and Brock Lesnar are going to go up against the FBI. I presume it's going to be Undertaker Big Show... Sorry, Undertaker and Brock Lesnar just 
beating up the FBI and squashing them and getting rid of this feud and getting rid of the FBI and they're out of our lives and no more promo videos and nuncio taking things and no more muscle shirts and no more red track pants and no more dumb Italian things and ugh. that didn't happen. Instead, Nunzio says, hey, I'm still hurt from last week when Undertaker threw me out of the ring. And admittedly, he threw him out of the ring in a way where Nunzio fell from like the top in the ring to the floor without touching the ropes. Probably wasn't a lot of fun. But he's a wrestler. Should be fine. Instead, replaced by Big Show. Big Show comes in. He ends up pinning Brock Lesnar after a choke slam. And it made me mad. And I was frustrated. And it ruined the episode of SmackDown for me last week. <laughs> that's what last week's episode was about. There's also some other stuff that happened. But that's what happened last week on the show is that I was mad. And this week... I was not mad. I was happy. I was largely happy for this episode. Largely happy. There's a lot to be happy about. That's right. I think I think they nailed a lot. Now, the one thing I will say too, Daniel, um, is that this is, you know, okay, so between pay-per-views, usually it's like four or five shows, right? Uh, and so between Backlash and Judgment Day, there's only three. Super weird. Uh, one of those shows is the Halifax Smackdown. We had a fun episode talking about that with my brothers here. Uh, and so this is the middle of a – this is the third episode in a stretch of – 10 episodes where between there's no pay-per-views pay- between pay-per-views because they're doing the split brand thing. So bad blood in June is only raw. And so we're waiting until vengeance, which is July 27th. It's May it's June 5th. And so we're still weeks and weeks and weeks away. Now there are kind of stopping points on the way here uh, where next week is 200th episode. Uh, there's a Madison square garden show at the end of June as well. So these are kind of like, Stopping points. I think today they would probably treat those more like pay-per-views, especially with competition like AEW around. But uh, at the time, they're just like, they're just doing 10-week slogs. Because there's, there's no talk of Vengeance on the show at all. Well, sorry, there's one mention of Vengeance. It's just the tickets are on sale. But otherwise, there's no talk of anything happening for that pay-per-view. Huh. Well, that's really neat because I think it makes almost for some better weekly wrestling. Because you don't have the like, oh, well, we'll just save that for the pay-per-view in a couple weeks. That's a good point. Have that, then you're like, okay, well, we can we can spend a little bit of our kind of better stuff. Yeah. Uh, Mid row here. So There's just I no think... reason to be patient during this this time. This time, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So that so, so that's really good. And it's sort of like, okay, if if only they would sort of like uh, cue into that, like today or you know, right. in the past or whatever. Like if they had just sort of realized that a pay per view a month is a little much. Yeah, that's still hard. It's so hard to uh, to borrow the phrase, unring that bell, um, just because it's so like, well, they started, they, they set up a thing where you could do that. I mean, it's different now. Too. With network, it's funny, too. Cause it's like what, they don't really have a drive to do that outside of maybe like pumping up the t- ticket prices for a show once a month. Because they've been used – they've done 13 pay-per-views. They could do they could do 10. It wouldn't affect their bottom line necessarily, especially doing stadium shows and, and Saudi shows. I mean, we just had the 2022 pay-per-view schedule released for WWE. Daniel, I don't know if you saw that. No, but I see, yeah. it includes four stadium shows in North America and uh, presumably two more in Saudi Arabia. So of their 12 sh- of their 12 shows during that year, four, uh, six of them will be stadium shows with 50,000, 60,000 people in them. Pretty wild. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. Great. Crazy. They, they probably couldn't fill stadiums here in 2003. So that's OK. So let's talk about we talked about last week's episode and how it made me mad. Let's talk about Velocity and the dark matches before the SmackDown show we watched. Uh, the the good folks in Anaheim, California, those South Californians would have seen. Uh, and so there's a couple dark matches. And honestly, I think these are two interesting dark matches. Number one, Ultimo Dragon defeated Shannon Moore. So Ultimo Dragon oh. is getting promo videos. Hopefully they show those promo videos during the show. And then people were like, we saw him wrestle earlier. Yeah, that, that that that's super interesting because it's like, yeah, coming soon. And they're like, 
not. He's like coming. He, he came super. He's here. He was here earlier. I came late to the show and I he was leaving because he had already come. Because that's weird that you would promote in like a coming soon vignette someone who you're using on dark matches to like warm up a crowd. Like, right. Because doesn't that sort of uh, invalidate? He's on his way. Right, right, yeah, because it suggests that he's, like, he's going to come from Japan or Mexico, wherever Ultimate Dragon's from. He's going to come here. It's going to be very exciting. And it's like, no, he's already here. You could put him on SmackDown. You just decided not to. You just want to get you season him up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, it's like, so do you think that he's not ready for this yet? Like, there's all sorts of doubt and, like, shade thrown on Ultimate Dragon with that. Fact. Take that, also, Dragon. Now it's possible they could have just inserted that for the for the TV taping, and they don't like like during the like the actual TV footage they sent out instead of um like they, maybe they didn't show it live during SmackDown. I don't know. Right. Cool, cool little video though. And then there's another talent just as important as Ultimo Dragon, just as talented, Billy Gunn, back on <laughs> SmackDown or SmackDown tapings here, back from his injury. He defeated Solo, who would later be known as Deuce of Deuce of Domino, or also known as Sim Snuka. Are you familiar with this person at all, Daniel? Rarely. Deuce and Domino sounds like vaguely familiar, but yeah. This I think it was a 2005, 6, 7 kind of tag team sort of thing. That's my understanding of it. it, it, it they are from after uh, my drop-off with the SmackDown product. So. Yeah, and I, and I wasn't paying attention at all at this time. But so uh, just like a heap of people that just are like, they were really flashing the pants. And so it just didn't happen for me. That's right. Uh, and there's a few there's a few kind of flashes of the pants here, too. I mean, Velocity, we, let's talk about that. The first match of Velocity, Crash defeated a guy named Orlando Jordan when he got a oh, bridging roll-up. Oh, I remember Orlando Jordan. Yeah, Orlando Jordan. So Orlando Jordan was on Velocity last week, and he beat Jamie Noble. And I was like, oh, wow. And I thought he was going to have a whole thing where, like, oh, he's going to beat established talent. And just Crash just beats him after cheating with Shannon Moore. I'm like, all right, well, I don't know what you're doing there. That's fine. It's just Velocity. I mean, that's ultimately – that is going to be the, the always – something you can always come back to with Velocity. It's like, well, it's always just Velocity. So it's fine. Uh, also on the show, A-Train – Easily defeated Funaki. Then he got on the mic and he said kind of more or less that he wanted a real fight, which prompted Bill DeMott to come out. And I guess Bill DeMott's a face now. He's been telling weird jokes for the last few weeks. And the crowd seemed like what he essentially he came out to be like, I'll teach you a lesson, eh, Trey? And you're like, Bill DeMott is like, he got his push based on the fact that he his appearances on Tough Enough season three were that he was a huge jerk and people didn't like him. And they now they're being like, oh, he's a face now. It's fine. I'm like, my God, maybe. Uh, and so he beat him. He had to cheat to beat A-Train, but he did it. Okay. Cheater, cheater. And then Sean O'Hara went up against Spanky to finish off Velocity. And uh, Spanky went up for uh, slice bread number two. And Sean O'Hara caught him and then hit his uh, his finisher, the Prophecy, on him, which is like a Death Valley driver, only instead of flipping him over your shoulder, you kind of drop him back down the way you picked him up. And so it's it's one of those – Spanky's move is perfect to like – he can kind of flip over and you catch him and it just works perfectly. Yeah, um, yeah. You you made a face, Daniel, when I said that. Are you are you uh, have questions about Sean O'Hare or about Spanky? Sean O'Hare. I, yes. I'm mm. just curious about like how he's coming across in ring because I haven't seen much in ring action from him. Yeah, I mean, just as, as you expect, there's nothing. You know, they're not really letting him do anything too interesting. I would say. Yeah, because every every time I'm on, I, I hate to be a broken record for our smack addicts, but I'm always like I'm so intrigued by Sean O'Hare, like the history of Sean O'Hare because even in this episode uh Piper kind of like bills him as like a future champion um and in the same episode right. Michael Cole totes John Cena as a future champion right who and who who knows who was right in that situation who knows Unclear. we have no idea 
but so it's just sort of like started to implant a story into my mind of like, is that happening backstage? Like, are people kind of like getting behind either Sean O'Hare or Cena? And they're kind of like, who's going to, who's going to be the future of this company? Like who's going to be, I think, I think that's trailing with Sean O'Hare for sure. Right. But, but I think there was something there for like a millisecond. So that's why I'm so fascinated. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, like Sean O'Hare is only going to be in WWE for another less than a year, and then he's off television by uh, November 2003. And then the weird thing is, his last match, he, he ends up. Um, unfortunately, he is deceased now. But uh, he ended up. He he wrestled 2003, 2004 for a bunch. He stopped in October 2004. He had one match 2005, and then one in 2006. The weird thing is, the match 2006 was a dark match on Velocity against Scotty Too Hotty, and that was his last match he ever did. It's just like a random ending to have a dark match against Scotty Too Hotty as your final um, final appearance. Yeah. Strange. Yeah. I don't know what to make of that. So anyway, Sean O'Hara, yeah, unfortunate. I mean, Sean O'Hara he does show up on this episode with a big smile on his face. We'll uh, we'll talk about that when we get to it there. <laughs> he's got a whole he's got a whole thing. He shows up early here actually. Um. So, yeah, let's talk about this week's episode of SmackDown, Daniel. What do you think? Should we get into oh, it? Yeah, let's get into it, man. I'm excited to talk about this one. I think I think good things. Our Smack acts are in for a treat today. This is good a- stuff. Absolutely. Now, Daniel, I sent you a video earlier in the week uh, with the uh, the information on it that this was a video that played before the show started, but they didn't. They don't have it on the network version of the show. Did you happen to check did you happen to see that by any chance? I, I totally forgot to click That's okay. that little arrow. That's okay. We can talk I was about like, it. Oh, yeah. I'll watch that later. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. So what it was, we talked about it last week on the show, so we don't have to go into too much detail because if you were listening to last week's show, you would hear about it. But uh, it was a Kurt Angle promo video cut to Coldplay's Clocks, which is a great – it's one of the great – I honestly think it's one of the great wrestling uh, videos that exists in terms of, like, building a guy up. So you owe it to yourself to go back and watch it because I think it's just a fantastic piece of business – they do a great job of melding the song with the guy. It's such a good fit. It worked out super well. And it led off this show. And they showed the video, and then it would say, and it said Kurt Angle tonight. And then it went into the the new hip-hop title song and video. Daniel, have you seen this video yet? No, this is my first time. So what is this? Is this three weeks in? I think so. It's right after, uh, it was right after Judgment Day there. So what was your impression of it? You you, you saw it right away, and you were like, okay, wow, this is something different. Yeah, I, I, I liked it. I, I think it's good. I think yeah. it's a solid intro. It uh, it, it was really um, cool for me because one of my favorite WrestleMania intros is the WrestleMania 19 mm. intro. Right. And there's some footage kind of ripped from that for this intro. Um, and it's right. kind of in yes. that same vi- vein, like black and white locker room shots, like more contemplative. Yes. Um, but still, still aggressive. Um, in certain parts so i think it's a good balance like it's like uh i i always like preparation for war shots of wrestlers you right know? just kind of sitting being pensive and like oh i bet he's thinking about murdering somebody like i don't know i just like that yeah yeah it's an, i i like that too it's yeah it's funny i don't how know the way, if i yeah. love the song i don't i like yeah 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 yeah, I'm glad that they're going into this like uh, I don't know. I think I think it's it's also funny to me. I said this before as well, but uh, they went from a kind of like a more like rock kind of metal song to rap, which is exactly what they did with NXT recently, where they had it was more okay. rock and they went to rap. They've done this before, and since then, 20 years later, they're like maybe we should do uh, rap again. Uh, right. So something that is like 
the genre of music that has been the most important genre of music for 20, 25 years, probably 20, if not 15. But like, that's just, yeah. Uh, there are very few rock bands charting on track, tar- on, on the charts as opposed to uh, rap and hip hop and pop stars. So there you go. Smart move there. And so we, there's no pyro to open the show this week. I don't know if I want to save money or not, but instead we have Piper, Piper's Pit. His Roddy Piper's music hits. Out walks Roddy, Roddy Piper, and Sean O'Hare. They're walking. They're thick as thieves. They're they're holding their arms together there. They're like, hey, we're best friends, even though we've talked multiple times on this podcast about how they're a weird fit. And oh, yeah. so, even here, I'm like, yeah, you guys are you're still doing this, hey? That's the only yeah, thing. Yeah, I can, yeah, do. can I can I make a comment before we get into the Piper's Absolutely. Pit segment? Yeah. The, the intro to this. With the crowd and Michael Cole yelling and Taz yelling. Yeah. They were bringing a whole different level of energy than I've become accustomed to over the last few episodes that I've watched. Right. This. And they were just like, this is a special night. Like, this is a hot crowd. This is like, they were really pumping it up. And I mean, of course, the angle return, but like, has them way more excited than I thought they needed to be. But like, it just struck me like, it sounded like, backstage someone gave them a pep talk and was like remember that you love wrestling and that you get to announce wrestling every night and they're like oh yeah (laughs) just like there's just a whole different energy or vitality to the show right off the bat where i was like oh i was supposed to be into this and like it drew me in in a new way so i don't know if you noticed a tempo change in the commentary or in the hype up at the beginning but it just it felt more genuine and less artificial. I think it definitely is more genuine, too, because when I think about it, like when they talk about how big a night it is, I'm like, well, Kurt Angle comes back. We have a big main event. That's just that's facts, man. That's yeah. that is a big show. No wonder you're excited about it. I should also be excited about it. Heck, I am excited about it. And, and so, leading yeah. into the hometown hero thing with Ray Mysterio yeah, yeah. was good. It was just which, good. They're, which, which they're kind of futzing a little bit there because they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's home, his home state. He's nearby. Anaheim is not far from San Diego, per se. Well, they even say, as he's walking down from the main event, they're like, I'm 90 minutes away from his hometown. <laughs> okay. His, his wife and kids will probably drive home for this, but they might have gotten a hotel because it's a late night and they're pretty far from home. <laughs> so they might have done that. Exactly. So, yeah, there, there's like, there's good energy here, I would say. And that keeps up throughout the show. I think I have more – I feel like I have more comments than usual on, like, Cole says this, Taz says this. So I think their energy and pep is helping here. Yes. So – Piper and O'Hare get in the ring. Piper gets on the mic. He talks about Zach Gowan and how he's, quote, special. And then Piper takes exception to that because he's never really been called special, which I find hard to believe in some ways. And Piper introduces Zach Gowan, but instead out walks Vince McMahon. And I, you know, I can only describe his look as mad slash cocky slash pompous. And I think they said he looks pompous here, too. It's hard to get a grasp on what the face he's doing is. <laughs> And so Vince says, Zach will be out here in a minute. And he said, you know, last week I said there would be changes. And it starts here. And Vince says he'll give Zach Gowan an opportunity to earn a WWE contract tonight. And, of course, I'm like, well, this is going to be fair and equitable. <laughs> no chance is, is this ever uh, – whatever the opposite of above board is, I presume below board. Right, right. He's going to be a weasel. He's gonna be, like already how much Piper is leaning on the word special. <laughs> Yeah. In, in the context of someone who has a disability is like already super uncomfortable and like uh, just to our contemporary senses i'm like oh this is so weird to watch and then it just gets worse it just continues to go downhill 
It does get worse. And I'm hoping that we, as a podcast, do not fall into any pitfalls just like they do here. Piper, Piper's Pitfalls. That could be a good Piper's name. Piper's Pitfalls. If yeah, he was yeah. going to do a memoir that was like my, the mistakes I made in life, Piper's Pitfalls. Oh, amazing. That could be good. Maybe I'll write that now. So, so Matt, like if if we make it through this show, yes, without saying anything terribly offensive, then I mm-hmm. think you're safe. I think I'd be the most likely out of your crew. So you you are most likely out of the guest co-host to say something inappropriate. Yes. Yeah, that checks out. Yeah, that checks out to me. That's right. Which is funny, you know, you're not you're not a particularly bright ball individual. Wait, or... so we start talking about Tory tonight, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess it's that could that could happen too. Tori does come up. That's true. Uh, I mean, there was weirder Tory talk last week. Go back and listen to the episode of the podcast. Then there was some very strange Tory talk. Very, very strange Tory talk, I will say. <laughs> like, Tori looks like my mom, and I find that kind of attractive? Like, that kind of thing? Or uh, No, I, Vince McMahon uh, gets uh, on the lie detector and is questioned about whether or not he uh, did things when looking at the picture of Tori Wilson's Playboy. And uh, anyway... Just a very weird moment there on the show comes Got out. Got it. Yeah. Got it. And so, so yes, after Vince says that Zach Gowan's going to get his opportunity to win a title tonight, or contract tonight, Vince introduces Zach Gowan, and Mr. America walks out with him. They're doing, you know, the the real American thing. And here's something I, I don't think I said before on the podcast, but this is an important thing when we're talking about Zach Gowan that I want to get right, because Zach Gowan's biggest impediment to being a believable WWE wrestler is not that he doesn't have two legs. It's that he looks very young and he is very skinny. Yeah. If you just show me this guy and didn't say he had two legs, you know, if if they didn't present him as a guy who was missing a leg, I'd be like, oh, he's too small to wrestle. This would be an absolute joke. You know, there's people, there there are individuals (laughs) on AEW TV right now, and I'm going to pick on AEW a little bit right now because I can't my podcast, I'm allowed to. Uh, and there are guys on that who are like, oh, I do not believe they are wrestlers. I do not believe they can fight me. You know, they might be in uh, they may not be like overweight, but they were not in a position to be like, oh, I believe they could fight somebody because I don't believe they can fight anybody. And I don't believe Zach Allen can fight anybody here either. And that's something I think is tough because that is going to be an issue throughout this whole throughout the segment, throughout this night, throughout the next few weeks. Is that they're like, hey, Zach Allen, like give him a shot. And it's like he should lose every match without question so easily because he does that's- not look like a wrestler. That's a super fair point, Matt. And it's just accentuated even in what goes down here. Yeah. Where the big threat to Zach Gowan is what? Like a 50, 60-year-old man in an arm wrestling contest? Exactly. What this comes down to is that Vince is going to give Zach Gowan a contract if – in a re- arm wrestling contest, Vince can beat, and they suggest it's going to be Mr. America, but it's not. It's actually going to be Mr. Mr. McMahon versus Zach Gowan. He, they play this whole thing up, like, I'm going to give it to you. And Mr. America's all excited. I accept your challenge. It's like, it's going to be against Zach Gowan. And it's played for this big dramatic twist. But if a guy wants to wrestle the WWE and he can't be competitive in an arm wrestling contest against a 58-year-old corporate executive, why is he even considered for a contract? It's a joke. Yeah, and huge it, and they and, and and like on the broadcast in the arena they're like, wow, I can't believe he's gonna do. I keep, wow, what is that? Has any chance of that? And you're like, what? This is ridiculous. There's a, there's a lot of uh, stakes put on the fact that this is a man who is willing to wrestle with only one leg. Like that's 
that's kind of the framework that we have here where it's like he is honorable and he is valiant and he is brave that he is willing to put his body on the line when his body is already compromised in some way and so that's the narrative that we're getting but when you just kind of frame it in terms of is this man competitive outside of his impediment or not that's that's a very fair point he is yeah you know you look at him and you're just like oh because when the missing man makes the jokes you do have two arms don't you i was like yeah but they're not nearly as big as yours (laughs) exactly you're like i mean kind of he kind of has two arms but that's like they're pretty sure they compared to you like honestly yeah like it's a good point like and so what happens after that there's this this funny little thing so just to be clear so in the ring there's vince there's roddy piper there's sean o'hare and there's mr america and there's zach gowan and so after this nowhere to be seen hulk hogan is has not been television in weeks no idea where he is i always try to i always think everyone say mr america because i'm always like this captain america is the obvious thing to do or i just lapse and say hulk hogan but it's not true he's not there good point thank he's you not there. right and so those are the guys in the ring so what happens is that they're and they're kind of facing opposite each other mr america and Sean, like shuttle here kind of like baits mr america and like hey i'm gonna fight you and mr america's like oh what do you mean it's like a distraction thing that happens there Zach Gowan is looking at Vince. Roddy Piper has snuck around behind Zach Gowan. He's on all fours behind Zach Gowan. And so Vince pushes Zach Gowan over. And you have the kind of frat house style hazing pushover where you push a guy and he falls backward because he's also tripped by Roddy Piper. Is Just real quick, Daniel, before I finish my thought on that, is there a word for that maneuver, that push? The, uh, the, the, the backseat ottoman or – Maybe that sounds right to me, honestly. Uh, but it's, and it's like and like Zach Owen hits hard, and it's funny because the way they talk about it on the broadcast again, it's play like a real jerk move, and it and it is. It's yeah. a jerk move to do that. You shouldn't push people over, and you shouldn't push people over if they have physical disabilities. That probably not shouldn't have to say that, but that's the whole thing. But the tone is also as if Mr. America's friend was 12 years old. Is the tone they have with it? It's really because it's like, it's like, oh, I can't believe he's so small. Like, it's like, yeah. Zach Gowan's young, but he's not a literal child. But he's yeah. also kind of like built like a literal child. Like, it's just so. Yeah, they, but yeah. They, but this is the guy that's going to be vying for a contract next week. Yeah. And then he should and lose every match, which he does and not it, lose. And it, and it is all very, like when I was watching it, the thing that came to my mind was like, oh, this is very like schoolyard bullying. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is very yeah. that. And so it does sort of a uh, smack of like uh, uh, just juvenile. Um, and and in the positive for the heels, I would say negative for Zach Gowan. Yeah, well, it, it's funny. You're doing this juvenile stuff for somebody who looks young. <laughs> That's yeah. a problem. Yeah, because because the one thing that I walked away with from this segment was a genuine curiosity of whether these bullies we're going to get their comeuppance, you know? So like, I, I really got invested in the outcome of this, uh, tormenting of Zach Gowan. Right. Well, that's good. That part of it's good. The thing I should say too, is like Zach Gowan is young here. He's like 18 or something. So on some level, it's like, well, I don't know why we're doing this now, as opposed to when he can grow up a little bit, maybe being, I've actually seen, uh, you know, pictures from the last like five years of Zach Gowan, who's still wrestling the independent scene. And guess what? Now that he's, uh, I guess at this point he's in his, his mid to late 30s. Uh, his body filled out. It was easier for him to work out. 
he just looks like a regular wrestler but without a leg. That's like yeah. not shocking, but you it's doing such such a disservice to him to have him as 18 as this guy who looks to be 95 pounds. Right. Honestly, like I don't even know. Well, well, wow, you just kind of blew my mind there, Matt, because now I'm thinking like a Zach Gal return to WWE was something I never thought I wanted until now. So now I'm you want really it? Curious about that. Stay, stay on this journey with us, and you will, you will not want that. <laughs> you have had your fill. I will always stay on this journey with you, Matt. Thank never you so been. much. It's important. Now, before, after this, this dramatic pushover, uh, this, this pushing over, rather. I don't want to say someone's a pushover. There's a, a push. He fell over. <laughs> Uh, Piper leaves, I'm sorry, Vince leaves with Piper and Sean O'Hare, and of course Vince makes the very obvious one-legged man in an ass-kicking contest joke. And uh, as he's leaving, Vince is also miming what happens when you just, like, easily slam down an arm in an arm wrestling contest. He's like, ha-da, ha-da. Like, I'm gonna, hey, next week I'm gonna go, boom I'm gonna knock you, I'm gonna take you out. And it's like, alright, there you go. So, that is the, that's our opening segment here. Uh, now, something I will say is that the first like half of this episode is like four. There's only four different segments. Like everything has time to do things, which is actually kind of really nice. Like, this, like yeah. sometimes on SmackDown, and this is especially clear if you're watching on the WWE Network, uh, you can see different segments because they're broken out at the bottom of your either on on your bottom of your screen or on the in your browser. And so sometimes, especially for a pay per view, you're clicking through and you're like trying to find where the main event is, and it's like t- you go through whole rows and rows and rows of it. And this is just like it's a row and then a little bit more because that's all there is just solid, consistent segments. Yeah, which is good. And so if we get a video here and it's labeled as a Kurt Angle classic, uh, which is funny because Kurt has been on WWE TV since fall 1999. Uh, so he's been here for less than four years, which would be like if you had someone who debuted in WWE in 2017 as having classics. Yes. Yeah. But that's the thing about wrestling, Matt, is that time just works differently. Looks very weirdly. Well, I mean, like, it, it, wrestling here too is two like or three yeah. years ago is like a lifetime. Well, the Attitude um, Era too. It was also like it, things seemed like they happened so like everything ha- so much stuff happened yeah. that for this period of time it's like well I mean there has been a lot of things that happened but it is funny to think about somebody who yeah came out four years ago like oh, here's a classic moment and the first person I thought it was Oscar even that doesn't count because she's been here longer than that so that doesn't even it really makes sense. Right. Right. And uh, so it, the this classic is the video of Kurt with a milk truck in August 2001 when he sprayed milk all over the WCW-ECW alliance in an homage to the time when Steve Austin sprayed beer on everyone. The billionaire princess. Has become a dairy queen is his line. <laughs> and he's like, that's what JR yells. And he's like screaming it. And it's amazing. And then he also, JR also ends by yelling, Kurt Angle is the Olympic dairy man. What's a dairy man? I don't know what a milkman is. Milk person? I don't know if they well, use that well, now. Well, or... right, dairy right. man. Olympic dairy man. Well, well a dairy man. He has more than milk. He's good cheese. <laughs> I would love maybe, it at the milk. They evolved the milkman role. First thing you do with the milkman role, make it both genders. Why are we having this conversation in 2021? I ask you. Women can be milkmen too. Make it milk people. Second thing you do with that is you give them dairy. You give them the cheeses. <laughs> They're coming up. They're, they got yogurts. They've got That's brie, right. camembert, cotta. You know, I want so much dairy. I want to forget the guy's got milk, or the woman, or the woman. Let me just say that. Whoa, what, got got milk? Question mark. That's the question. The answer is yes. Because I'm <laughs> a dairy person. 
significant look. A, 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 pic, a picture of you with a milk mustache is all we need. A little like gray, dark black background behind. I love it. I'm happy to do it. I'm happy to be a dairy man. Next up, we have Undertaker against Chuck Palumbo with the other FBI guys. Yeah, I was, Chuck all, Palum- I was already yeah. yawning. I, I enjoyed I enjoyed Undertaker coming down in the ring. I was like, oh, Undertaker. And I, I had forgotten that he was getting embroiled into this feud when I last watched. And so he came down the ring and I'm like, oh, I wonder what cool thing Undertaker is a part of. And the FBI come out and I'm like, oh my gosh. But 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 my immediate thought wasn't like, oh, the FBI, they suck. It was, oh, the FBI, oh, why is Chuck Lobo's hair so dark? Oh yeah, the FBI sucks. So that was that was my uh, line of thinking there. Well, do you think Chuck, Chuck Palumbo's hair is darker because they're bad? Yeah, well, well, I think I think it's just like a way to um, look tougher, look more, yeah, sure. more villainous. I think. But yeah. Like also, just like kind of uh, steer away from the Billy and Chuck stuff, make kind of a stark cut. Isn't but it funny I, that, that that was way more compelling TV when they were around? That's so funny. Isn't that funny? Way better. I, I do I do love how long Chuck holds on to a cigar in his mouth though at the beginning of this match. He it's in his it's in his mouth on the way to the ring and I'm like he's got a cigar that's funny and then he's like in the ring he's in the ring I think they're about to ring the bell and he still has it in his mouth and I'm like please tell me he wrestles with that in his mouth that'd be incredible. Like the whole match he's just like fighting he gets punched right. it does not go flying he's biting it hard like I just that would be great. Well well they they missed in my opinion they missed a major opportunity with the cigar in the mouth. So, so like it ends up that he just kind of throws the cigar at Taker when he's in a prone position. But I really wanted just like Undertaker to do one of his nice like stiff uppercuts and have Chuck Palumbo just spit that sucker right up in the air. That'd be great. That would have been great. Maybe he spits it straight up in the air and then it also comes down and lands in his ma- his open mouth. Oh, he doesn't like smoke it again, but it gets cut. He's like, oh, and starts choking. Oh yeah, just like his throat gets like third degree burns on the inside or something. Yeah, that would especially be really cool. But now what I want, <laughs> now that you have a guy with a cigar that I'd love to see him wrestle with, now I want somebody to be like, uh, I want a guy before he goes out, like a wrestler, be like, hey, I just made this sandwich. Can you just look look after it? I have to like, I have to go. I'll go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. And the guy's like, actually, I have a match. And he's like, and he just leaves. He's like, what am I supposed to do? He just carries the sandwich down to the ring. Then I just see a guy wrestle with a sandwich in his hand, or like on the and like his concern is like I got a match, but like if I lo- the sandwich can't get lo- like this can't be lost. This needs to work right. out. I I can't put it down anywhere. Everything's gross around the ring. Like I can't just put it down. Or... Right. That's a great. That's see that's even better. He's just he's got to hold on to it the whole time. And now I'm trying to think, would it be funnier if the other guy comes out mid match and he's like, oh you get this cool. I'll take the sandwich down. He just gives it to him and I, maybe he gets distracted because of it. And then he ends up losing. He's all mad at the other guy. And he's like, Why? don't be mad at me. You housed me out with a sandwich. I appreciate it. You did exactly what you were supposed to do. I'm sorry that didn't work out for you. But, I mean, this is how it goes. <laughs> Feud all going with the sandwich man. Yeah. yeah. Or he's like – or his friend – he's like going – he's like, oh, good, you're here. And he goes like hand his friend the sandwich. And the other guy comes and like kicks it out of the way and like kicks it into the crowd. That'd be some good heel heat. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. You don't do that to another man's sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We were so invested in that sandwich being okay throughout this whole time, and now you just disregard it. So might as well, might as well spit on a kid or something with some terrible wrestling heel work. <laughs> right. Jerks. Oh man. So Cole at the beginning of this match says that Undertaker will need to quote literally have eyes in the back of his head to keep an eye on the other members of the FBI, which is not literally true. No, 
No, no, no, no. He will not literally be that. I mean, it might be nice, but uh, not necessarily. It would be beneficial. Now, Daniel, you were not excited about this match, but Undertaker gets into the Lucha stuff right off the bat here because he gets a leapfrog and a hip toss and an arm drag. He's yeah. like a dang indie guy. Like, dang indies. <laughs> it's almost like he's going to do, like, a super kick party or something. Like, I'm waiting for he's a young buck out here. Is that... <laughs> I, I, I didn't pick up the vibe. Maybe I was already just sort of too down from uh, Chuck Palumbo. Because Chuck Palumbo makes me sad. Because, again, another guy that looks the part and just, like, doesn't really go in the ring, you know? He does look the part. He is... He's just wildly average in the ring. Yes. He's just like, you're like, I mean, you're not going to get anything special out of him at any point. So it's too bad. In the crowd, there's a sign that says, full-blooded idiots. Good job. Smart. It's a good move. Uh, So at one point here, Stamboli hops onto the apron to distract Undertaker, and Stamboli gets hit. But it works because Undertaker turns around and Chuck Palumbo hits a spine buster on him. And then Taker is sent outside and he gets beat on by the FBI, which the ref doesn't catch, even though the crowd is loudly booing it. And if I was the ref, I would try to be attuned with, like, using all my senses to be like, what am I hearing right now? What's going on? Like, I need to kind of make sense of this. Right. And then, now, that said, considering I just called this guy pretty average, Chuck Colombo impresses me because he hits a delayed vertical suplex on Undertaker, which is genuinely the most impressive thing I've ever seen Chuck Colombo do. Right. Well, Undertaker's a big boy. He is. He's a large gent. He's a large gent. So, yeah, so I'm not saying that Chuck Palumbo doesn't have, like, some stuff going on. Like, that's why. You, look, Daniel, we have it on record. You, we can go back and listen to it. You said Chuck Palumbo is trash in the ring, out of the ring, as a person. You see, he's a trash guy. I, which I thought was rude, but you said it. We hear, <laughs> Folks, you heard it on the podcast. Daniel said it. <laughs> he's right laughing. Right the kill, but true. Well, well, at least that record is set straight from here on forward. <laughs> at least it's real. It's true. So Taker hits uh, Snake Eyes on Palumbo. He goes for a big boot, but he misses. And then also, at this point, Undertaker has, like, something dangling over his foot, like a piece of boot or sock or something. Yeah, so so I was trying to put that together. I was like, I think it's, like, a knee bandage. So oh, that would make it's sense. Like, it's, like, a knee wrap or something? Yeah. Uh, because it's, it, yeah, it is exceedingly distracting. Yeah. It looks too no much like, looks cool. yeah. He no. looks like toilet paper is dangling out of his pant leg. Absolutely. It's, exa- it's exactly what that is. And you know enough watching the match, you're like, well, I would have noticed that if he came into the ring with it, so I know it's not that. But it does yeah. look a lot like the toilet paper coming off your shoe as you leave a men's room. Or yeah. women's room. Or women's room. Uh, or, or <laughs> that's, that's right. Um, when, when I saw it, and then the match, and, like, the match ended almost immediately when I yes. noticed uh, this was happening. I was like, oh, he's like, I just got to end this, like, embarrassing wardrobe malfunction. But then they do, like, a little, like, end segment where he's, like, uh, last riding the FBI and they're getting the better of him and da 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 But it's just, like, all hard to take seriously. This piece of cloth just kind of, like, unceremoniously hanging over his pants. It's true. And, you know, you notice it, and then immediately he grabs Chuck Palumbo in a choke slam and he drops him and he gets the one, two, three. And uh, I would say, like, just match-wise, this is kind of the way the FBI should have been handled in their match against Under- uh, Undertaker and Brock last week. Where it's like, this is good. Not not a complete squash, but also just a decisive, clear win where they come out on top, no questions asked. That's what right. I wanted. Uh, and so, yeah, Undertaker, after the match, he's getting attacked by Stamboli and Nunzio. He manages to get Nunzio in a last ride position, but he is prone to have Chuck Malomo hit him with a super kick instead. 
So that's it. And so Nunzio gets the other FBI guys to hold on to Undertaker's. He goes to get the steel chair. And when he goes to swing it, Taker kicks it. He gets away from the other guys. And then he wheels the chair in the ring. And even the ref has to run away from Undertaker because he shakes the chair at him in the ring. And then one of the most ominous things I've ever heard on SmackDown here was Michael Cole saying that we haven't seen the last of Undertaker in the FBI. <laughs> Why? Why not? Please. Taker just – he beat Chuck Palumbo clean and then avoided attack afterwards. Like, let it go. Please. Please, I'm asking you. Yeah, that that's the thing that kept on playing in my head was where does this feud go and why? Like, if you have decisive victories and you also have foiled post-match shenanigans, why? There's no comeuppance for the FBI where Undertaker might go, you know what? I need to do some more ass-kicking. You don't have it because he beat him and he yeah. got rid of them. It doesn't make sense. Well, and also just from, like, a backstage perspective of, like, don't you have a million better things for The Undertaker to be doing? Yeah, please tell me that after him being away for, uh, like, a month or a month and a bit, that you have something that you could actually do with him. <laughs> like, any any combination of people. Yeah, I know the star power is weak, but... Right? I guess, if you're Undertaker, sure. And, I mean, he's got, he's got good energy the last couple of weeks, so... And we'll, we'll, we will see. We will see what happens with Undertaker here. I don't recall him having much interesting to do before the autumn, so I don't know about right. that. We will see. Uh, we're told that later tonight we're going to have Rey Mysterio going up against Matt Hardy for the Cruiserweight title. It's all very exciting. And then we get this awesome shot of Rey Mysterio's family in the crowd. They're in kind of the front row there. Uh, and we see Rey's wife is holding Rey Mysterio's daughter, Aaliyah. Uh, who recently came to fame because you feature prominently as an adult in a feud between Ray and Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy. Yeah. Uh, which is very funny. And she's a straight up baby or toddler here. Yes. Well, well, this, was, this is actually a real heartwarming shot for me because of the recent events with the Mysterio family and Dominic and Ray doing their tag team stuff. And like, it was just kind of, yeah, it was a really cool thing to see like uh, before. And now, you know, like, it's nice to see sort of a wrestling family evolve and they, and they've been the kind of wrestling family where they've, they've shown up sparsely. And when they've shown up, it's been like, um, ultimately heartwarming, I guess, you know, <laughs> Eddie being the baby daddy thing. That's a little like tasteless, but ultimately you get some like nice moments and then they go away for a while and they come back and, I think I didn't. I don't love Dominic Mysterio, but I think his feud with Seth Rollins and folks, it was well done. Yeah, you know who does love Dominic Mysterio? Who? Ray and his wife Angie. They love. They love Dominic. <laughs> and we see Dominic here too. He's this. He's just this cute little fella. He's got his side. His visor is on sideways. Uh, he's also got a little mask he's gonna put on later on. He's just being, he's just looking right at the camera with little doe eyes. It's it's rare that you get a shot of a wrestler's family and they look so like they look great because the kids are adorable and the and the mom's right there, the wife is right there. She's doing great, and uh, you know they're just kind of they're just genuinely there, being like we're excited about our daddy. Let's see what happens. Let's see what go, how we do here. It's very yeah. sweet. Uh, it helps that his kids and my kids and Daniel's kids are roughly kind of the same age, probably I would say at this point. Yeah, so my heart's melting at this point, and I'm also thinking about. Edgy, and I'm like, how, how is she managing two toddlers ringside? Right. Uh, yeah, ringside. That's true too. Yeah, just just the raw, just the sheer uh, options that night. I assume there there must have been. I mean, well, often what happens they're in the front row, they just get seat fillers, or somebody else just comes out, and they can go backstage and do things that they need to. 
So that's what I would hope. Like, it probably have to be like, okay, Dominic, you gotta go to the bathroom and we gotta make sure that you're ready because you gotta. This is gonna be a cute moment later on tonight. We gotta absolutely nail. So please, just let's manage that bathroom time, little buddy. <laughs> I mean, he is sick, so I don't think there's too much worries about that. But well, I mean, just gonna if he's like midway through the match, he's like, I gotta go pee, mom. And you're like, oh, I can't do that. Uh, here, pee into this. Here's uh, yeah, here's a here's a uh, an Undertaker foam uh, thing for your hand. Just pee into the whole the whole <laughs> handle. And we see a clip from last big, week's show after we evil. see Race Cube. What's that? Yeah, big evil. Yeah, exactly. Pee into this big evil foam foam. I don't know. It's not a hand. It would just be a big foam word, I guess. And so we get a clip from last week's show here, unrelated to the Mysterio family, when Brock Lesnar hit a couple of F5s on the FBI before he got choke slammed and pinned by Big Show. And we're told that next week. In Orlando, it's Brock Lesnar against Big Show for the WWE title. And my question to this is, why is the follow-up to a stretcher match just a regular match? Right. It's we already had we've had regular matches. Uh, Big Show won one through nefarious means. Uh, uh, Brock Lesnar won one uh, pretty emphatically uh, in January. And then now there was a stretcher match here in May that even then we were like, do we have to do a big show again? Please, we have to do that. And now they're like, there's a regular match next week, too. And you're like, great. Love it. Um, and they're also not mentioning it's the 200th episode of SmackDown. Also seems like a miss. Guys, don't know what you're doing. Some of the stuff's working really well. Other stuff, less impressed with. Yeah, it, but it's funny, right? How, like, knowledge of the events of that match kind of endear that match into the hearts of wrestling fans like myself, where... I'm just like, oh, it's that match. <laughs> it's that match. And I'm going to try to keep it that speci- that, un- that unspecific, okay. unspecified. Be like, there's a big show Brock Lesnar match on a SmackDown with a rather explosive ending. <laughs> I think you're kind of hitting it on the head more than you want to be, Matt. I don't know. Just know when I say explosive ending, I'm kind of I, I my head tilted down a little bit, and my eyebrows are up, and I'm kind of looking at you like you know what I'm talking about. Like you got you, you know we're speaking the same language here, right, guys? So, so that leads to another segment. Out here. Yeah. In context of yeah. like they had this match and they had this match and they had this match, just like even just in context of the time, there's no need for this match to be happening. No. But through the lens of history, I'd be really sad if. Someone presented to me, if I lived in an alternate history where that match never happened, and then someone from another timeline showed up and said, hey, my timeline, this happened. I'd be very sad that my timeline didn't have that match. Right. I would be, I would, if that was me in that situation, I'd be like, wait, so is the big show hurt and you can't wrestle anymore? And like, no, no, they did it on purpose. Like, like oh, okay. I was disappointed by that. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah. I'm really curious about, yeah, I'm sure. Anyway, we'll talk about that next week. <laughs> We, have a good show. We, think we still have a good show to talk about this week. Uh, and so then Michael Cole announces to us that Classy Freddie Blassie of uh, wrestling fame died this past week at the age of 85 last week on the show. Uh, they wished him uh, to get well soon. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't happen because he died in the intermediate. Uh, and uh, we, we get we follow with a memorial card for Freddie, who lived from 1918 to 2003, which is pretty wild. And I found out some interesting facts about uh, Classy Freddie Blassie. Would you like to hear them? Uh, yes, please. All of them. So his parents were German, and they came to the United States to have him prior to World War One. I. I don't know who would have been prior to World War One. would have been in the middle of World War One. Ooh, even tougher, because it's 1918. Uh, and so when Blassie was an, uh, a young man, he served in the Pacific Theater during World War II, which is tough because his parents, uh, as German immigrants to the United States, they were treated harshly in the United States 
I mean, they're like, you guys are those German guys. You just came like 20 years ago. Like, you true, you guys are a bunch of Nazis. They didn't like them, uh, which is harsh because their son is fighting for the United States uh, in the Second World War. And uh, Blasi, he ended up marrying a Jewish woman. So I don't know if that helped prove that he wasn't a Nazi sympathizer or what, but that is uh, that's how his life turned out. So, and he also after oh. that he wrestled a bunch, and and then also uh, was around so the 80s around Iron Sheik and stuff like that too. So, classy Freddie Blasi, uh, rest in peace. Even even these 18 years later. Right, we 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 still wish you the best. That's right, and you still had an important uh, important impact on wrestling. You had a prominent role in important times, and you were beloved at the time you were around, and when you when you left, and even now. Depends on that geek and all that. So next up, we have a tag team match. It's non-title for some reason, and it's Eddie Guerrero and Tajiri. They are the WWE Tag Team Champions, and they're so going this up against. This is shocking to me, Matt. I well, yeah, why no shocking? It's like, what? <laughs> like I do, I do. Chavo was like, oh, <laughs> out or something, and then like all of a sudden now it's Tajiri is in the low rider, and I'm like, right. oh, Tajiri. Okay, that's fun, and having a great time. I love him and eddie's dynamic i think it's just a beautiful thing and then they get out and they have championship belts around their waist and i'm like who the hell put belts on this rando tag team like chavo sick has chavo won the tag team championships yet with eddie he must have he did yeah back back in the fall yeah and they had they had the tag team titles before they lost team angle that's who that's who they they ended up losing okay Okay. here here i thought you were confused because the basham brothers are on smackdown now (laughs) <laughs> just a couple of thumbs in, in leather wrestling pants are out there. The the, the Bastion Brothers, so this is interesting. I don't know if I've really encountered that much. Ever. Okay, good. But but I was watching these guys, and uh, one of them looks good. <laughs> yeah, it is that, isn't it? Danny really shits the bed here, and it's like, oh, that's too bad for Doug, because Doug kind of has some problems here. I think Doug was the one they had, they had hype for, high hopes for. He yeah. was the one who was a big deal in OVW, I think. Okay. Yeah. So that was a, that was a whole dynamic. Yeah. The the jury and Eddie thing. So Chava was hurt. They had a, ta- a ladder match set up for Judgment Day. At Judgment Day, Eddie's like, I brought in Tajiri. And so Tajiri has been like slowly enculturating uh, with with Eddie in very fun ways. Last week he had a a a, a car with hydraulics and stuff. Um, and that was uh, it was just a lot of fun. It was a lot a lot of fun out there. And they are finding a good dynamic here too. It is a lot of fun having them be together like this so it is it's fun in this case they're, they're coming out in a uh, black cadillac convertible which is fun uh also i don't think i ever connected uh that the basham brothers is kind of like bash um like bash them oh i don't think yeah, i ever yeah, thought yeah. about that um that's just a whole dynamic there it's kind of the point of the dumb name uh and so yeah so taz takes time at the beginning of this match to joke that tajiri owns a business out here in la and it's a sushi restaurant slash strip club. And do you remember what it was called, Daniel? Did you hear him say this? No, I I, I kind of blocked it from my memory. Sure. Well, it was called Eat 'Em Raw. Was the joke Taz made? Oh, anyway, yes. we're, we're gonna move on from that. Uh, <laughs> Cole and Taz say that Danny is the weirder brother of the Bashams, which neither one of them seems to have any personality whatsoever. Anyway, so it's funny to be like, oh, one of them's weird. It's like they look identical. One might be wrestling better than the other one, but there's nothing like exciting or good here. Well, well, maybe it makes me a terrible person, but I did, like, when Taz was saying this, I was like, yeah, Danny definitely comes across as a little more spacey. <laughs> like, he's definitely, like, he's definitely kind of like, uh, hey, guys. You know? So, like, okay, I get it. I, I assume that's just actually what it was like backstage, and they're just they're speaking into that, so that's the uh, dynamic. Right, and, and it's too bad, right? Like, in wrestling world, um, I still 
and when there's a tag team, I'm like, oh, that guy's a little heavier than the other one. Less cool. It's an unfortunate thing that I still carry in my wrestling fandom prejudice. Yeah. Yeah, that's tough. <laughs> it's too bad. But it's also like, it, here's two guys in a very physical sport, sport in quotes, where you're like, well, they're right next to each other. So you, you they, they require comparison in those situations. Right. It's unavoidable. Uh, so Tajiri starts off here, uh, but Eddie comes in shortly, hits triple suplex on, on Abe Asham. I'm not, I'm not going to ever figure out which is which. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> of course. And uh, he gets his great rope walk arm dragon to head scissors on both of them, which is nice. Um, oh, here's the thing I'll also say, Daniel, real quick, because I just reminded something Cole says here. So the reason Eddie and Tajiri have the titles, especially, is that Team Angle can't have the titles when Kurt Angle comes back, because there needs to be tension there. Yes. So last week they had another match where they are trying to win the titles back. Before when Kirk came back, they didn't. And so that is something we'll be watching here on the show where it's like, yeah, it's, it's awkward here that they're they, in the in the meantime, they've lost championship gold with Kirk gone. Mm, that makes uh, sense. That's now, what they say here is that Kurt Angle's it's his return night, but they say Team Angle has called in sick, which is weird. And they even they even laugh at it. They, even they do. They point out how weird it is. I've never I've never heard anybody called in sick here at this company. Like, that's not how this works. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Not not a healthy thing, but it is true at the time, at least. That they're like, no one ever calls them sick. Uh, we don't let them. Uh, I, and so, when Angle comes out, I'm interested to talk about that because I thought it was very interesting to not have Team Angle there. Yeah. Especially based on the direction they kind of go with Angle. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about it when, we, when we get to it. Uh, so uh, back to the match here. The Bashams start working Eddie over, uh, and they're fine. They're not bad, but they're just fine. And uh, I, I noticed when Tajiri's in the ring with these guys, there's just a lot of leather wrestling pants in the ring. You know, when there's two bashes <laughs> and their leather wrestling pants in Tajiri, it's a lot. It's like a bunch of garbage bags. Well, well, would you say too much? Uh, it depends on, on that. I said I wrote in my notes there's a lot of leather pants. I noticed I did not say too much. So maybe in my heart, I'm like, you know what? I like a lot of leather wrestling pants. I'm down with it. I appreciate it. <laughs> Tajiri, he hits a, a handspring elbow. He tries to he tries again. He hits on one of the bashers who's uh, on the apron, and then he reverses a move into a DDT, and then gets a tarantula on one of the bashers. And while that one of the bashers is in the tarantula, Eddie flies in. He hits the other basher with a frog splash to the back, which leads to Tajiri hitting a buzzsaw kick on that basher. That's an easy one, two, three. So they are lickety split. They're all done. Uh, one thing I'll say. So last week the bashers were on SmackDown. I've since seen something that suggested the bashers were brought onto the show. Uh, prematurely, like they were supposed to be in a dark match, but they like ran short on time, so they just brought it, put another match in there. Strange detail, strange to consider, but that is what uh, that's what we were told, or what I what I read online. And the internet is always right. Of course. Uh, Taz says that he's impressed with the Bashams, uh, and they, they nearly won, um, but I don't think that's I don't think they ever nearly won. Really, they, they didn't even look impressive. Yeah, well, th- that was interesting to me because I was I was impressed with Doug. I thought I thought he looked good in the ring. Um, and when Taz said that, though, I was kind of like, oh, did I miss something? Or is Taz just <laughs> crazy? You know, like, what's happening? Yeah. It's tough when they're told, like, get the talent over. And it's like, but they didn't do anything good. They weren't impressive. <laughs> Except for Doug. Everyone loves Doug Basham. All right, I get it. Which is why Doug Basham is a multiple-time world champion. Uh, Tajiri and Eddie, they back out their Cadillacs victorious. And uh, that is not the last we see of Eddie Guerrero on this episode. Uh, which no. We'll see he has a prominent role later on in the night. And then we get another Kurt Angle classic video here. Kurt Angle uh, playing guitar and singing terribly for Steve Austin. And uh, this was uh, 
this is funny. Funny because the uh, the two the two videos they showed for the classic uh, was um, it was uh, they were two months. There's a month apart. But Kurt and a, a, Kurt and Austin are friends in one and feuding viciously in the other. Oh, which I, that's which I thought was funny. funny. Yeah. Again, again, just another symptom of wrestling time. Yeah, where in a month, I think one, I think one of them, I think well, I think Austin turned on Kurt. Uh, the Kurt turned on the uh, WWF at uh, um, Invasion. So there had to be retribution, and so that's what we get here. Uh, that's what they got rather in the first one there. So after a couple of Kurt Angle classic videos, what do we do? Kurt Angle's music hits, and out walks a happy, smiling Kurt Angle. He is there. He is there. He's and, like, in a great mood. loving it and so happy. Yes. He's just, like, feeding the crowd, and the crowd is just, like... I mean, it wasn't as crazy as Hulk Hogan when he first came back there. Right. But it was, like, it was getting to those levels, and I was, like, excited. I was excited. But then yeah. immediately it clicked for me why they didn't have Team Angle there. Because they were, like, oh, oh yeah. They're building this guy face. That's right. They, they can't That's right. Absolutely. Right off the hop. They can't have Team Angle around when this guy's going to be our hero for the hour, you know? Yeah. And I wonder if people at the time were kind of like, oh, when's he going to turn? When's he going to turn? And they're not doing that right now. No. Um, and and it, like, I, I found like the crowd's not really chanting, you suck. And it's unclear to me if they dub that over or people are genuinely excited for Kurt, uh, Kurt to come back. They, he mentions that here shortly. But uh, on his way out to the ring, I didn't really hear it as much. Okay, I still heard it. Yeah, but because, usually it's like loud. Because I had the thought, like, um, how does that feel, you know? Like, But then it's sort of, he answered that question for me later on. That's right. He says he likes hearing the crowd chant, you suck. And he even prompts his, his music to play again. The, the fans chant this time with his encouragement. And then he just flops around on the ground like a fish. It's great. Yeah, well, he flops around and I'm like, oh, your neck, dude, come on. <laughs> right. Don't do that. Don't do that yet. Uh, and Kurt says he wants to be the champion again. But uh, Kurt also wants to thank someone who was supportive throughout his whole recuperation process. And he talks it all up and uh, he gets towards the end and then Big Show interrupts. Our and, favorite. Yes. Who we love. We knew the second one was it was getting too it was too good. So we had to bring in Big Show. That's right. I, and I had so, to make it crappy. That's right. So Big Show, who is not the guy Kurt is talking about here, we find out. Uh, Big Show says Kurt hasn't earned his respect. He needs to wait in line if he wants to be WWE champion. And he says that Kurt won't want to face him one-on-one. And in that moment, I'm like, Kurt beat you for the WWE title one-on-one in December, dude. Like, what are you talking about? Right. Uh, Which comes up. Uh, So Big Show is right in Kurt's face, allowing Kurt to offer him a breath strip, which is kind of like a Listerine pocket pack. Very uh, funny. Very yes, funny. he's doing it. Yeah, kind of the face thing of just like your breath is bad. Do those still exist, by the way? Can you still go out and buy a Listerine pocket pack? You know what? I don't know, but it just like brought me right back to when they first came out. Yeah, and I was like, oh yeah, these used to be like a novel thing. Like, uh, oh, how's that work? Oh, you do that? Oh, it does work. Oh, minty. It was a whole thing, right? There's, I remember the first time someone, someone at school had it, and they were like, "Here's what you do. You get, I don't know, they're like, you get a bunch of saliva, you put it on your tongue, you put it over there, kind of does the whole thing." Uh, I, this is like for people who may not, I hope everybody knows, but maybe not. This was like, it's like a postage stamp sized thing. And when you open it up, there's like ten little strips in it that are the size of like postage stamps, and they're just like, the, the, if you touch them, they kind of just seem like they're green plastic. Like they don't seem like an edible material at all. Uh, they might be a little bit t- tacky to the fingers to the touch a little bit, but you put it in your mouth on your tongue, and it kind of like melts onto it there, and it's this blast of 
refreshing mint. And so that's what Kurt is offering to Big Show here. Great. Right. So it's fun to see a uh, fun to see a Listerine pocket pack on WWE television back then. But but I was happy about this joke because leading up to it, again, Big Show just gets way too close to people. Very close. Trying to intimidate them, and like countless promos now where Big Show has been like right in someone's face, whether it's Stephanie, whether it's Kurt Angle. Oh yeah. This one was the worst of all. He just like his forehead is just like squished up against Angle's forehead, and I'm like. If I'm trying to intimidate, like, first of all, I don't know about you, Matt, but I can't see someone if I'm that close to their face. Yeah, it's true. So it's just like, is that intimidation factor? Like, what's going on there? And and Kirk's just sort of taking it. Anyway, it was weird. It was just weird. So I was glad that they poked fun at the situation. Yeah. And Kurt says here, uh, he points out he already beat him for the title, uh, which I was glad to hear him say. And then uh, Kurt says, if you want, you know, apologies to Steve Austin, but if you want to see Kurt big, beat up the Big Show, give me a you suck. And they give him a you suck. Uh, um, before you can do anything, the Big Show snatches Kurt by the neck, which then prompts Brock Lesnar to come out. And right. Brock well, Lesnar, I really like here yeah. how Angle steps up onto the middle rope first to kind of get like an authority over Big Show. Over Big Show. That's really, right. That was really cool and uh, kind of brought the segment up a whole notch for me. I like this segment a lot. I think it's really. Yeah, it worked out pretty well. It's a good, it's a good return for Kurt. It's not just self-indulgent because you have people coming out and doing things. And so when Brock comes out, uh, Big Show, he backs down, he leaves, and Kurt gets on the mic and he says that Brock really beat him up at WrestleMania. He put him in the hospital, but he says he didn't need to be saved by Brock and that he can handle Big Show, but he says Brock might not be able to handle Big Show. And I was like. Okay, I feel insane here, but Brock Lesnar destroyed Big Show at Royal Rumble and again at Judgment Day. Why are we acting like Big Show's a big threat to him? I know right. he pinned Brock last week. It was a handicap match. The handicap matches, I mean, we got to take it with a grain of salt here. Like, what are we doing? Right. They're, uh, work, they're working, they need to work very hard to make Big Show a threat. They, and you know what? We've been saying that since November 2002, right? Like, we, like I remember right. those first initial episodes, it was all like, Big Show's a threat. And I'm like, I saw Jeff Hardy beat him in four minutes on Raw that earlier in the year. Like, it just, it's they just keep doing this. I, I think that they did have a shot back then. They squandered it. Like, I did I still like that promo of Heyman's where it's like, you can't beat Big Show. Right. Um, I still like that. That was yeah, that was good. Even that yeah, but even then I was like, I think it could be the big show. I think it <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. can happen. Well, I know you, you, you love Lesnar too, right? So it's I do. I'm a Brock Mark. Happily, happily admit it, I'll do it. Uh, so Kurt and, says and you, here. You're, lo- you're loving his top knot now. Is that is that something you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have no, I have no questions, no notes, as they say. His appearance, I'm like, yes, sign off, of course. And not even because I'm afraid of him physically. Because uh, I think he would like me and we would hug. But I think that – I think what he's doing look-wise is just primo. Bon comer. Beautiful. Uh, Kurt says he's in the best shape of his career now. He threatens Brock with another match. Uh, but he also says, you know, you're the guy who's uh, – you stayed in contact with, me, contact with me at the hospital. And they hug. Kurt raises Brock's hands. And uh, Cole declares them friends. And they're uh, they're friends forever and they never, they never feud again. Is that a thing? No, it's not. There. <laughs> there may or may not be a heel turn somewhere in here for somebody. So we'll see what happens. We'll see. We're gonna ride that train, but they're currently friends. There's nothing. There's nothing did, uh, untoward I did, here. I did find the hug interesting. I was like, oh, just like, uh, like I don't know if I've ever seen Brock Lesnar hug another human being. Yeah, I think maybe, it's fair. Maybe, maybe this is the only time. 
Did he well, he did a lot of bear hugs earlier in his career. So I've seen whole. Oh, yes. I've seen Hulk Hogan. Yeah, not, not, not necessarily the kind of hug I'm referring to. Yeah, that's. I believe that to be true. I, I get that you and I are not exactly uh, talking about the same hug there. That makes sense. <laughs> like the hug and the arm raise is just begging for someone to like close on the other guy and for us to go. Oh, oh I can't yeah. Believe it. yeah. It's kind of shocking. It doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, that is the end of that segment. And we go into a promo video for Ultimo Dragon. We see a bunch of him do a bunch of cool stuff in WCW, and then we're told he's coming soon, and that's it. And so, and that's it. yeah, we so roll into a, yeah, please. Just like, oh, did, did that last long? I feel like it didn't last very long. Uh, it did not. Yeah, we'll have to see how much we chart the Ultimate Dragon journey here. I think we're going to catch most of it on the podcast. Um, it did not end up going the way they wanted it to. I remember I, I got an Ultimate Dragon uh, wrestling figure out of it, which I was happy to get. Oh. Because uh, they get a nice little uh, g- good look and everything like that. And uh, so yeah, we will we'll talk about Ultimate Dragon more when we get to him. He's, he he is so hyped up here, uh, and uh, it's it's too bad what happens. He doesn't he does not get his chance to do exactly what he should. And so uh, yeah, next up here we have something that on the WWE seg- uh, network is called uh, John Cena is in a singles match because he's going up against Chris Benoit. Oh yes, of course. And so John Cena he's wearing a kind of retro-ish Notre, uh, Notre Dame Fighting Irish basketball jersey. And uh, Cena gets on the mic, and uh, you know it's the it's the night of a cruiserweight match being the main event, and so he starts uh, dissing cruiserweights, and he makes a bunch of references I don't understand. Like usually I'm like, oh yeah, I get that, but it's like he just references a few things, and I'm like, I have no idea what he's talking about. Uh, he says at one point that LeBron took all his money. I know who LeBron James is. I don't know why LeBron James would be taking his money. That doesn't make sense to me. But he does make an X2 X-Men United reference. Yeah, uh, because, but not a good one. Like it barely rhymes. Like he really has to force the rhyme. It's yeah. It might I, as well I just be like. Impressed. Yeah, it's like you're the rabid Wolverine. There's a guy named Wolverine in a movie. He's played by Hugh Jackman. Like that's a lot. It's really that level. Uh, although excellent movie, a movie that oh, actually absolutely. changed my life when I was a kid. So I'm I'm very happy with it. I mean, X Men X Men came out in the year 2000. It's like that's pretty cool. X two X Men United comes out 2003. It's like. Whoa. I actually Game remember change. they mentioned a movie later on here, and I remember going to see X2. <clears throat> spoilers, the movie I'm talking about is uh, Too Fast, Too Furious. I remember going to see X2, X-Men United, that's the name of that movie, uh, at the Empire Dartmouth uh, okay. on Portland Street. And I wow. remember going to see it. I think I saw a matinee with a friend, if I'm not mistaken. And I believe that there were a bunch of like cool cars in the Empire Dartmouth parking lot because Too Fast Too Furious had also come out recently. So I think I think I I probably saw X2. It might have been the Saturday after the SmackDown even, as far as I can tell, because people right. were already hyped for Too Fast Too Furious. But uh, I have strong memories of that. Very strong memories of going to see that. Those yeah. three. Wasn't that long ago. Yeah, X2 is funny for me. Uh, X2 is the movie that I remember standing after the movie waiting for my mom to use the washroom. Yeah, I want my mom. What do you want? What do you want from me? Love it. And I remember thinking through the film and like making a decision that I didn't want to be a bad guy, that I wanted to be a good guy. Good for you. You were like, wait, Striker, I don't like what he's doing. That's not, I don't think that's me. Yeah, well, because that was like the big theme of the movie, right? Like recruiting these mutants for evil or for good, right? And you had the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, and you had, you know, so I was just like, what do I choose? What do I stand for? Right. Pretty silly reflections now to think about coming out of the movie like that. But there you have it. 
that's what these superhero movies are designed to do. Even back in 2003 before the MCU and before uh, a grim, dark DC uh, extended universe, expanded universe. Uh, yeah. And also how great is that Wolverine scene in the, in the school where he's like, he's stabbing people through the milk and these guys are coming in to fight the kids and he's in the kitchen. It's a great scene. Oh, I, I have next to no memories of that. Really? Okay. Well, I think you gotta, you and I gotta watch X2 X-Men United next time we're together. Yeah, let's do it. Let, let's watch it. Well, let's watch just anything you want. I just want to watch things with you. Yeah, that's true. Instead, now we watch things separately and talk about them on a podcast. I mean, that's, yeah. that's as good as we get for now. I mean, Such is life. <laughs> We've done better remotely, but that's fine. We can... That is true. We've done remotely better remotely. So <laughs> back to the match. Benoit comes out. He starts fighting with Cena right away. And Benoit gets he gets to a crossface early just about, but Cena, he, he drags himself away. He gets Benoit, uh, and he kind of rolls him out of the ring to get out of the, the crossface here. And so Benoit, he gets some offense off. He gets a snap suplex. He gets a DDT. Uh, afterwards, he gets a DDT on Cena as a counter to, uh, uh, I think it might be an FU here that he tried to go for. Uh, and uh, and then he gets the headbutt for two. So he's, he's rolling here. He gets, you know, he only gets two off of that. So he goes for a German suplex. Uh, Cena fights the second one there. Uh, and he ends up getting run into the referee, which allows uh, him to hit a, a low blow on Cena because he's a cheater man. And uh, so Cena goes for his chain, which is in the corner. They don't make a big deal out of the chain, but he wears a chain around his neck. That is like a literal like length of chain. It's not a small chain. Uh, it's a big one. And uh, he goes to the corner to go get it. And Rhino runs down. The sometimes tag team partner of John, uh, Chris Benoit. And he's, he's tussling with Cena. He gets his hands on the chain. And he goes to hit Cena, but Cena ducks and hits Benoit instead. And so Cena pins Benoit. The ref comes over and counts one, two, three. And so uh, John Cena wins because Rhino didn't cheat properly. And so, <laughs> so now it it up. yeah, will there be tension between Benoit and Rhino? We don't really see it because Rhino just kind of like hovers over Benoit, who's like out. But I'm wondering if there's a heel turn coming in there somewhere for them. They're trying to do something here, maybe. Un- unclear. Interesting. So, so this match for me it was interesting because I was like. Have they done? Did they do this after? Like, did we get a proper Cena Benoit match before they both kind of went their separate ways? <laughs> right, I think so. Well, we've seen them. We they wrestled. They wrestled in the tournament a, a little while back. They had a proper right. yeah, was, match. That was good. You know, uh, I'm telling you, I don't know but, if they. I don't know if they do it on. I hope. I hope they, they do. They might for a U.S. title, like, maybe. Right. It was. It wasn't a good match necessarily, but I. I did appreciate. Like, this was a nice match with shenanigans. I liked it. Yeah, there we go. I, I'm I'm told that uh, there was a Benoit uh, uh, Cena match on Raw in uh, March 2007. Uh, so okay. So just just months months before that. So that's a uh, that's interesting. Interesting dynamic. We we'll have to go we'll go back and watch that perhaps. Uh, so next match here we have Tori Wilson and Rikishi against Jamie Noble and Nidia. Oh, Tori Wilson, man. Here she's <laughs> blowing my mind. Oh yeah. She's, oh. Something with that outfit just gets me in a whole new level. Yeah, she, of course, is wearing a burlap sack covered in um, <laughs> uh, human hair. Paper bag princess, man. Yeah, that's right. No, she's wearing she's wearing a, a pink number that would look absurd if you saw them in public. But in wrestling, it's okay. Uh, we're told that uh, Tori will be at the Pepsi Center in Denver, Colorado uh, for on Saturday because tickets are going on sale for the Vengeance pay-per-view. The SmackDown only pay-per-view coming up here in July. It's the first mention of it here on the podcast, or on the at least on the WWE program at the time. Uh, Cole and Taz make a point here uh, to say something that they mentioned a couple times during the match, which is that, that Tori Wilson and Rikishi are friends. 
just to be clear. They're friends. Although, yeah, I didn't think of it. They're not being like, oh, they're dating, but they just kept being like, oh, they're new friends. As if Tori and Rikishi were like, yeah, we're hanging out backstage. We're getting to know each other. And like, we're just having a lot of fun together. I don't know. It's just like, we're so glad we found each other as friends. And there's nothing, there's no tension there. I got, you know, I got the Samoan wife at home who's taking care of Jimmy and Jay. And uh, Tori's got uh, a you know deceased father to deal with. And uh, things are just good. But they make a point of being like, they are new friends. And we're excited about their new friendship. Right. Well, it's kind of like, you might not believe that Tori would be friends with this man. <laughs> right. But they are. It's true. Attractive people can be friends with people that are less attractive. Oh, that's a, that's, a new, that's a new vision that we have for the world. That's right. It's a good way of looking at the world. Sponsor time, though. It's sponsor time. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. The first one right off the bat, one of the most confusing sponsors they have here sometimes, Maxim Hair Color for Guys. <laughs> yeah. the, the branding is for Maxim, but it is hair color for guys. It's not for women. Right. But you're supposed to use the women as a... Sexy impetus for buying the product. Uh, specifically, this product has a promotion where you can win a date with a WWE diva. Which sounds yeah, horrible. Yeah. I was like, well, first off, yes, you're right. It is horrible. <laughs> I was like, uh, which one? There's a picture of Tori, but it's definitely not Tori. I really want to, I want to interview the WWE divas at the time and be like, did you, were you in this contest? What happens there? Because they're saying it's a date. I don't know what expectations would be. I think it would be peck on the cheek at the very least. At the very least? Oh, my God. Is he paying for it? Is that the other thing, too, where it's like, you know, dates, especially, you know, usually the guy pays for it. At least maybe in 2003, it was a little bit more. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The expectations questions could be limitless and on forever. It's just like, yeah. So I was, I was just like, so wait, is, is this where Dawn Marie is? Like, is that why she's not on the show? She's getting ready for her. Just whoring her out for pro for different uh, promotional like, okay, materials. We're, we're done with you on TV, Dabari, but uh, you can help us out with this little promotion for maximum men's hair color. Yeah, we need you to go on a date with him. I assume the date with a guy would be like she would meet the guy two hours before a show. He'd come backstage. They show her around. Maybe she'd sit with him for a little bit, and then she'd leave, and that would be the date. That's what I hope would be the case. Right, 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 right. But I'm really but curious. But it, it was a strange time. There was lots of weird things happening. It's true. Who, know, who knows what they put these poor girls through? And another sponsor, previously mentioned, Too Fast, Too Furious. And uh, Enter the Matrix, a video game. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Colin Taz makes some horrible stink face related jokes about Enter the Matrix. Don't love that. Uh, Colin Taz clarified this match is guy versus guy, girl versus girl, which is uh, medium true during the match. Right. Uh, I'll, well, I'll break yeah, Taz also, Taz, right after he's like, oh, Tori's hot. He's like, uh, also, I want to wish my wife a happy birthday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he's also like, Nidia, what a tomato. Yeah, yeah, me, I think I think he, he mentioned the Nidia thing right after he talks about his wife. <laughs> so he's just like, he's he's sandwiching the comment with like, but gosh, these women in front of me. Yeah, yeah, you. Yeah. So it's yeah. funny because he, he could have chosen any time in the show, in the broadcast to say happy yeah, absolutely. birthday. Yeah, absolutely. This is weird that he's like, Oh, beautiful, hot women who I'm more attracted to than my wife. I better say happy birthday to my wife so she doesn't get suspicious. Right, like, women. I forgot about women. Suspicious. Yeah, man, oh, man. Uh, and so before the match starts here, uh, Rikishi uh, gets slapped in the face by Nydia. And uh, so he slams her down by her face, uh, which they can play as like, hey, that's what you get for doing that. And uh, I saw it and was like, it, does not look, it looks rough and it's not fun when a man does that to a woman. I did not like that. Yeah, no, very uncomfortable. 
Yeah. That's uh, so Troy starts off. If a, I saw that and I was watching with my mom, she would look at me and she would say, "Never do that to a woman." Because <laughs> you, I of course, were at risk of doing that. <laughs> right. Right. Just so Jafar slapping Jasmine and Aladdin. My mom was like, "Don't you ever do that to a woman." Okay. I don't care uh, if you're the Grand Vizier for Agrabah. You should not treat a woman that way. Yeah, oh, so man. so it's definitely jarring that, again, there's still 2003, these things are still carrying over. Because, like, in the year 2000, there was, like, a Dudley Boys match where, like, they were, like, I forget yeah. who they were feuding with, but, like, Trish Stratus was in the mix. And, like, the narrative over that feud was just, like, Trish is an annoying B-I-T-C-H. And so it's okay yeah. to just, like, slam her through tables and murder her. And I was yeah, like, uncomfortable. Yeah. Oh, it's encouraged. It's like, ah, it's not great. Uh, so Tori starts off. She's, she's showing off here. She's going to leapfrog. She has an arm drag before she gets nitty in the corner. Uh, and uh, we, we call that we call it the prime stink face position. That's what that is. And uh, uh, Tori kind of uh, is like, oh, look, I'm going to give her a stink face. And the crowd gets excited. But then she tags in Rikishi to threaten that in a real way. But nitty escapes. Uh, and so it's Rikishi with Noble there, and at one point Rikishi gets a standing chokeslam on Noble. Just kind of like, kind of surprising to see there. He's going to drop some there. He doesn't really move, uh, but he drops some a chokeslam. And now Michael Cole clarifies that even though they said earlier that, you know, the guys face the guys, you still have to tag in your partner. Uh, which doesn't make sense. Because what else? Well, then, okay. Because then you just, you just you, when you get tagged in, you just stand there. Because you can't attack the other person. Right, right. So it doesn't, it doesn't, like the doesn't really make stopped. any sense. So that you have to let the other one, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it's just be, if someone tags in, the other person just come in and everybody has to leave. I don't know. It's a dumb, one of those dumb things. That you're like, if you think about it, it doesn't make sense after a while. Like, because this doesn't either, either either it is guys against guys or they can fight both. It doesn't make sense that it would be a mix of both. Uh, Tori goes up the top rope though, and she gets a cross body on Nidia, and I'm surprised Nidia kicked out because it's like they really sold her going up top for the cross body. It's like a big thing. I was like, oh, okay. It sort of uh, begs the question for me of like what, how would Tori have fared in sort of the Divas Revolution era of wrestling? Would she would she question. have stepped I mean, up to the plate? Well, she was in a Royal Rumble recently. Was she not in the Royal Rumble this year? She was. She was. She was. But again, uh, I mean, again, it's like, she's not training regularly now or anything, though, right? Like, no. but the like, performance center. But imagine her at the performance center. It's like that's that's an interesting thought. They give her some decent offense here too, so I think it's it's at least possible. She doesn't. She's not. She does not come across as the the best kind of raw talent. Pardon the the uh, very intentional pun there. Uh, when you have somebody like like Nidia felt like somebody who you're like, okay, this is actually somebody who gets some work going on here could actually be pretty good. I think that she has. I think T- Nidia has more to work with naturally, uh, but Tori Tori could as well. I think that's fair fair to ask that question of it. Well, what uh, do you so say? Nidia yeah. is now a nurse or a line cook. Or not I think she's a cook. I think Don Marie, Don Marie is in healthcare, okay. uh, and I believe that Nidia is uh, is do living in the culinary arts. Man, she's in she's mixing it up. Okay, okay, that's awesome. I just think about that every yeah. time now. Yeah, of course you have to. You're like, oh, she's probably making a great uh, bolognese, uh, which is not not my favorite Italian dish, but uh, is good. Can be good. Uh, so Tor- Rikishi comes in. Uh, Nobody they get knocked into a corner. Noble gets sent outside. Nidia is back in the prime sink face position again, and uh, she gets it this time. And there's a huge reaction in the crowd, of course, from that. And then Tori comes in, and she hits a swing and neckbreaker on Nidia, and she gets the one, the two, and the three in the victory for Rikishi and Tori. 
And once again, Were you Corey surprised Rice, that yeah. they actually gave uh, Nidia the stink face? Were you surprised they pulled the trigger on this? Not really. They give it. I mean, everybody gets it. They, they could have built it up some point though. though. I don't know. I think Don Marie has, but I could be wrong about that. Maybe not. I think I think Turkish is an equal opportunity. Um, put his butt in people's faces, guy. <laughs> amazing, amazing. That's a way to put it, I suppose. The other thing that stands out to me from this match still is just Jamie Noble's skill. Yeah. Is off the charts. Just like, man, like I am so sad that Jamie Noble was a little is a little older. You know, like if if he was coming up in the like nxt era this kind of stuff like oh a little before his time maybe Hmm? a little before his time maybe a little before his time for sure yeah because christmas that he delivers the stuff just his timing the ring psychology like he has it all he's just a little small and it's like oh that would not be a problem today no it's true and you know what i you know he's involved backstage or has been in the past too so you know, he might be one of the reasons that things are good. Right. So that's entirely possible, that. too. Yeah, was, absolutely. But yeah, I just want to give him props. He is just so good. Like, in-ring performer, so good. And great, and great just character stuff, too. I mean, buddy. For sure. Yeah. I'll, I'll always take time to praise Jamie Noble on this podcast. I'm happy we're doing it again. Let me get a tail of tape for Ray Mysterio and Matt Hardy. Uh, we, Ray, of course, is much shorter, a bit lighter. Uh, and Ray has his WCW accolades listed. He was a WCW Tag Team Champ, a WCW Cruiserweight Champion, uh, and then Matt gets some of uh, his title as well. Also listed as a founder of Attitude. Kind of an obvious thing. We knew that. And once again, we see Ray's adorable family, and they're cute. And we see Ray is back in the SmackDown interview area. He's jumping while he's talking to Josh Matthews, and he says he's ready for tonight. And then I see that uh, Ray is talking Sp- speaking Spanish at one point, and the closed captions that came on randomly just says Ray speaks a foreign language, which is like I mean like oh. technically we know we, we know he's speaking Spanish, like can you just translate what he said? Like it's not that hard. Right, right, right. Come on, no, subtitles. Oh man. And so Ray says he's gonna bring the belt home to the West Coast. And the crowd gets excited about that. And then Eddie Guerrero shows up. Eddie Guerrero is also wearing a Ray Mysterio shirt. Ray is wearing a Ray Mysterio shirt and. Eddie speaks some more Spanish. It makes it clear that uh, Ray represents La Raza. That is to say, they're people, a.k.a. Latino folk. And uh, Eddie's very encouraging, and then he gets serious. He says, Ray, you shouldn't even come back to the locker room if you don't win the Cruiserweight title tonight. And I think it's just supposed to be intense, not like heelish. But he's pumping right. up uh, Ray there. So it was, it was, a, little, com- of, like, it was a little confusing, it. but really well done, all things considered. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed sort of, again, this kind of push for the hometown hero, kind of a, the crowd is fully behind it and and ray like looks very supported like he looks like he's affirmed by the way that eddie is engaged with him yeah because at first you think that he's like is he making fun of him is he ribbing him and then it comes out as very genuine um, yeah for the sure thing that falls flat for me here is just the focus on the cruiserweight title uh mm. it's not an important title for me i don't know why it should be an important title for ray so, so that's the only thing. Like, if this was for the IC or if they had the United States Championship already, it would just be a notch up. Yeah, I think they're just trying to continue to treat it like it's a bit of a mid-card title that went without those mid-card titles around. And uh, your mileage may vary on it. Uh, I think it's also valid to point out that, you know, it has the same lineage as the WCB Cruiserweight title. So uh, Ray has won this title before, technically speaking. Right. 
So, I mean, it's different to win it in WWE, and I recognize that. But uh, I think I that's think, how they um, phrase it, right? His first WWE Cruiserweight title in WWE. Yeah. How they phrase it. Uh, we see another clip from earlier tonight where uh, Vince challenges Zach Gowan to an arm wrestling contest. And uh, we see Stephanie McMahon, SmackDown general manager, daughter of Vince. She's walking through the hallway, and she finds Vince at her office door. And she questions his judgment and how he's treated Zach Gowan. Stephanie even exclaims, Zach Gowan is a handicapped person. Kind of oddly phrased. And uh, Stephanie says, you know, Vince, if you won't sign Gowan to a contract, I will. Vince says, you know what? You're my daughter, but if you do that, you're fired. Then Vince adds, he said, oh, yeah, I hired you an assistant, by the way. And she's like, what? You hired me an assistant? And they go into his office, and they find Sable there. And Sable is lying across her desk in a very revealing dress. Which I guess is kind of answering, like, here's here's Sable post-feud with Tori doing something useful. Uh, and so, so Stephanie asks pointedly, she says, what position is she qualified for? Uh, and which is weird. And Vince plays along with it, which is weird because Stephanie and Vince are uh, father and daughter. I don't love that. Yeah, no. Uh, and then Stephanie brings real life into this in a very significant way because she points out that Sable sued WWE, which is true. And she sued them specifically for sexual harassment, which is also true. Uh, and it's strange that they're, like, they're bringing that up because it's like those are real legal things that actually happened. And I guess bygones truly are bygones in this situation because they're bringing it up on television and Sable's just laying there. Literally laying there. She's laying and across then, the desk. And, that, and that's intense, right? It's like, yeah. what, like, what were, do you know what the sexual abuse allegations were? Like, uh, I'm not sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just what you can only guess at this point, right? Like, what, you know, I'm sure wrestlers and management probably didn't said things to her that were inappropriate. I mean, it's hard to imagine that not being true. I cannot imagine that WWE in 1999 would not would be like a bastion of wokeness and uh, responsibility for women and respecting them. I just, it's impossible. That no, that's of course, of course not. But but it's interesting, right? Because it's like now Sable's in a position where she's kind of exploiting herself in some ways. Right. Uh, and then they're bringing that forward, and it, it, it was a weird dynamic, and I didn't know what to do with it. I think it's fair. Uh, Vince declares that Stephanie's just jealous, and he leaves. And Stephanie, uh, sorry, Sable. Hops down from the desk, gives Stephanie a look. Stephanie gives Sable a look. It's like, oh, jeez. Like, 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 like a so we're alone now look. That is what Sable's going for, and Stephanie looks like she's going for like, Ugh, can't believe this. <laughs> it's it's slightly like, different energy yeah, there. It's like a buddy comedy. Oh, very much so. Uh, Cole even declares that's going to be some partnership. So that's good. And then Cole and Taz, they run down next week's show, and they include a, a motion graphic. This is a time in 2003 where they, they, the wrestlers kind of – they move and they freeze, and that's part of the graphic, which is a lot of fun. And uh, that's for next week, they have one already for Vince's arm wrestling contest against Zach Gowan. So Zach has posed for the cameras so he can be in a uh, motion graphic for his, the show. His cane is quite prominent too. It's like off, off camera, and then it like pops up in there. Just, just to remind you why i'm here yeah yeah exactly the king, the king thing is interesting because just like obviously it's part of his living with a physical disability but it also it does not come across as threatening in any way it, it looks it looks like a 90 year old man's king like yes like, it looks like your your grandpa's cane he was like grandpa i don't actually use a cane but they want me to have a cane for the show so can i use yours it's so one of those canes that has the like the, the bottom of it has like four feet on it, so you have a lot of like stability with it. Nice, nice little little, uh, little cleats at the end of your. Uh... Exactly. 
And so now we've reached our main event here. Matt Hardy with Crash and Shannon Moore going up against Rey Mysterio. Matt is defending his Cruiserweight title against Rey Mysterio uh, that Rey uh, earned recently beating Crash and Shannon Moore to secure his title opportunity. Or title shot, as I say. <laughs> the title opportunity is very WWE parlance, and I'm sorry that I lapsed into that. What can I say? WWE Universe, sports entertainment, they're all words that hurt a lot. Title. Title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Title. Belt. He's going to win the belt. No. No, you can never say that. Fight me. I'll do it. I'll say it. You can't. Uh, Matt Hardy uh, has his Matt facts here, and they are Matt is taller than Rey Mysterio, and Matt despises traffic. So one is very literal, and one is uh, just a little bit more getting to know Matt Hardy. <laughs> I love traffic. Uh, Crash is in the ring. I, the Crash is holding, uh, I think it's a magazine with Matt Hardy on it. So this is kind of a fold out of a magazine uh, that has like a thing of Matt Hardy on it. Yeah, it looks Not like totally the sure. WWF magazine, I think. He's, yeah. He's on the cover. So it's like, he made the cover. It's like, yeah, he's a sports entertainer. Of course he made the cover. Yeah, they, they choose who's on there. It's their decision. Uh, Ray comes down to the ring, and he gets some love to Dominic at his family ringside, which is quite nice. And uh, then we get into a proper main event on SmackDown. I haven't one of these in a while, like a main event with like a title aspect of it, and a whole thing. It's a totally different dynamic than this usual. Was so, this was so nice, man. It was so nice to feel like I was ending a wrestling show watching wrestling. It was just so right. good. Refreshing. Uh Matt Hardy is wearing his loose red red tights with the black uh, the black pockets for the the pants, and Ray is wearing white green, and uh, sorry red green and white a mask and tight combo there. And so uh, the match begins. Matt and Ray are exchanging wrist locks, and Cole and Taz mention these other cruiserweight greats that Ray is already in the league with, and they say these four people they name, which kind of blew my mind, were Great Sasuke, Dean Malenko, Jushin Liger, and Tiger Mask. And, like, Greg Sasuke wrestled in WWE for a little while in 97. Team Lenko obviously did in 2000. Uh, but Jushin Liger and Tiger Mask are not exactly WWE-like legends. I think they're well, at least one or both of them are in the Hall of Fame now. And Jushin Liger came in to do some work with NXT, you know, six years ago. But, uh, yeah, just a real motley crew of people to talk about in reference to Rey Mysterio. He's not wrong that he belongs in that list of people. Right. But it's still strange to hear them talk about all those guys, I guess. But who's Tiger? I thought Tiger Mask was somebody we know. No, Tiger Mask is uh, – okay, so Tiger Mask is one of the ones with this Tiger Mask 1, Tiger Mask 2, et cetera. Oh. Uh, and uh, I believe – and I, I'm going to get this totally wrong, so I'm not going to even try to say it. One of the Tiger Masks – I think Tiger Mask 2 is actually a famous Japanese wrestler in his own right, but he took over his Tiger Mask for a little while there. Um, it might be Masawa. I might be wrong. Uh, this is not a Japanese wrestling podcast, so I, I make do with the knowledge I have, and it's not always great. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so Ray hits a snapmare on Matt Hardy. And he hops over the ropes to hit a dropkick through the ropes. And he hits a diving splash into the ring for two. And then uh, Matt knocks Ray outside of the ring. And he's mugged by the MFers outside, Crash and Shannon. And referee Brian Hebner, he heads outside and he sends those guys away from ringside, which is a long time coming. Then finally somebody goes, no, these guys can't be at ringside. They cause too much problems. And uh, Matt comes outside to the floor by the ramp to take exception to that. Uh, but Ray heads into the ring... And he hits a springboard senton from the ring to the floor on Matt. It gets nice, lots of air there. And we take a commercial break. And when we come back, Ray escapes an attempt at a Splash Mountain bomb. And I notice immediately, I'm like, okay, the ref is standing super close to both guys. So something is going to happen here. Uh, so Matt grabs the ref and he brings him so close he doesn't notice that Matt just kind of a donkey kick and hits Ray in the groin. Oh, and it's just, we're yeah, up yeah. this groin injury the whole time. Yes. 
working yeah, the crotch. Groin injury. Like they're they're referring to just Ray got kicked in the balls earlier. No, no, no. Last week, uh, last week on the show, in a kind of crazy thing, Ray like legitimately injured his groin, and oh. so he's in, like, he in this handicap match against Shannon and Crash. Uh, and as far as I can tell, it's legit, kind of like is it you know a tweak or something like that, but. Uh, he started he was hobbling around the ring, not unlike how we see in this match. Uh, and he was like, he had to make do, and he did make do. He, he hit Hurricane Rana's and West Coast Pops, and even though he was injured, he like, fought through it. Pretty valiant, really. Uh, and so, yeah, this is uh, this is part of the working the groin. You don't see a lot of that sort of I kind of wanted there to be a wishbone sequence where he stepped on one of his feet, and he grabs the other foot and kind of like pushes it and tries to like be yeah. like, ah, no, my groin. Well, well if it's actually like kind of hurting, it might have been dangerous to do some of those things. Yeah, it's true. They kind of they kind of work the leg too instead. Like they they kind of work around the yeah. groin and the leg. I guess you can't you can't really work a groin. Like like a, like split his legs apart and like punch him near the groin and the rest like this is a low blow. I'm like no, it was just close to it. Right, right. right punch yeah. him near the crotch. Uh, so Matt starts working a single leg Boston Crab on Ray, like we said there, and it kind of pays off because when Ray gets out of the move, he tries to go for six one nine, but he can't really get a good run going, and so he kind of like hobbles and hops, and then Matt comes in and chop blocks him and takes out his leg. Which is good. Now, here's something I want to complain about on a um, kind of a more of a macro level. I understand the desire to work a limb in a wrestling match, but as a wrestling fan, I get annoyed. Guys I love can't do moves that I love. And I get it. There's a whole de- dynamic of storytelling, and I get that. But like, it's like if you just did a movie and you're like, oh yeah, so in the Star Wars movie, Luke Luke Skywalker just loses his lightsaber for the whole movie. He just doesn't have it. And you're oh, like, okay, yeah, yeah. you can do a story where it's like, how, who is a, a Jedi without his lightsaber? Or maybe you're, you're more than your weapons or uh, any sort of thing. But at the same time, it's like, well, I want to, you know, I want to see the lightsaber. I want to see flips and running and stuff like that. Thankfully, Ray doesn't lose that much of it. But uh, it is a dynamic I don't love when they try to work the lid and then I, my guy doesn't get to do his offense. Even though it's good storytelling, it bumps me out. Uh, and so Ray goes up for a moonsault. He gets caught, but then he turns around and turns to a big DDT for two. And then Matt goes for a uh, leg drop on the second rope, but Ray hits him. He goes up top to the second rope with Matt. Matt gets a side effect from the second rope for two, which is a nice solid big move there. They're like, oh, that was a big deal. And so it worked out really well. And then Ray gets a big twist of fate on Matt. So we have Ray who's turning the tables on Matt Hardy. He gets a twist of fate, and it's great because it allows Matt to sell his own finisher. Uh, which is always fun to see. And Matt did a good job with it, too. He goes up and he squat, splats down pretty well. Uh, and uh, Ray makes a big kind of shocked face afterwards, which I don't love. Ray would often do the shocked face. And I'm like, oh, I get it. I know that you're, yeah, anyway. The shocked face is, a, is more of a, a larger problem in wrestling. Uh, but uh, yeah, Ray does that here. Well, you got to um, keep your yeah. emotions somehow, you know. I guess. I mean, just like the shock thing is just like, well, just keep fighting him. I don't know. Like, you just, yeah, you didn't pin him. Like, I get it. It's close. As long as you hit like 15 chair shots and he kicked out. Like, okay, it's just a move. And so Ray gets Matt uh, on the second rope, prime 619 position. And he hops and he hobbles his way to getting a 619 on Matt Hardy. And then uh, he goes up for the West Coast pop, but Matt catches him. Uh, it looks like he's going to powerbomb him, but he doesn't. He gets close to the ropes and he gets hurricane around out of the ring by Ray Mysterio. And both guys are on the floor. Ray gets back into the ring. Uh, Matt Hardy goes over to the timekeeper and he goes to grab his belt. And so that draws out referee Brian Hebner. He's out there going, hey, man, you can't do that. And so, of course, in the ring, Ray left alone with the referee distracted. He has to deal with Shannon Moore and Crash Ollie, who run down. Uh, and they get what I can only describe as like a reverse DDT slam thing. Uh, something I've never seen them really do before. And so it's funny. They're like, I can't believe they did it to him. I was like, oh, it's kind of an interesting move, I guess. Uh, not like yeah, a finisher. Yeah, yeah. 
it's funny to see like a stable sort of establishing itself but like maybe it won't last that long no i mean crash holly doesn't even last he doesn't even live to see 2004 so this is not a long-lived stable unfortunately oh that's really sad yeah it's a bummer uh so all this watching old wrestling is often a bummer for that very reason uh and so uh mac back in the ring mac it's a leg drop from the from the top rope which I would deem an Alabama jammer uh, for you, the WCW fans, but it only gets two, uh, even though there was the interference from the MFers, the Mattitude followers. And uh, Michael Cole does this whole like, well, that's it. This sucks. He lost the match routine, which is such a big hint. It's such a telegraphing of a kick out. Yes. Yeah. Okay. He's kicking out of that. So Ray then picks Matt. Uh, sorry, Matt picks Ray I do, up. I do love the sequences that are happening here at this point. Yes. And I'm starting to see like, for me, th- this is like Matt Hardy at his best that I've seen in this whole run. And I'm seeing like shadows of like a great main event. Right. And and I'm I'm quite excited as I'm watching it. I think it's really good. Like it's not it's not, you know, four or five stars or anything like that, but it's definitely better than we've ever had it in oh, the last few months. Oh yeah. It yeah, for sure. It's definitely like yeah, it's definitely better than so it's been. So I'm 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 eating up the false finishes like crazy. Yeah, they're good false finishes too. The big side effect off the top rope or of the second rope, good. The leg drop from the top rope after the interference, also good. Pretty believable. Works out pretty well. Um, and so Matt picks Ray up and he goes for a twist of fate, but Ray grabs Matt's legs, he drops him, he flips over to get the jackknife pin cover, and uh, it's a roll up. Matt's moving his legs, and but it's good enough for the one, two, three, and uh, the win and the cruiserweight title for Ray, who wins his first cruiserweight title in WWE. And Ray's family. Oh, yeah. And Ray's family celebrates as they should. They hop over the railing. Uh, Dominic heads into the ring. He's to be held on Ray's shoulder. And I was like, wow, look at Dominic. A full five feet in the air. <laughs> That's right. And we see that Ray, Mr. His wife, has tears on her cheeks. She's legit yeah, they, crying. They're, they're, real, they're really, like, milking that, too. They're yeah. Like, Check oh, it sure. out. She, <laughs> she's touched emotionally by this moment. Genuine emotion on WWE programming. Not always going to find it. You know, you want hot crowds. Uh, what's hotter than someone uh, crying tears of joy? That's right. That's right. And, and, and uh, she wept. And she, exactly. And Ray's wife, you know, she's watching him. And Ray is succeeding in a wonderful way here. And we see Ray victorious and we go off the air. And so, Daniel, let's get your final thoughts on this show, which I think we genuinely, genuinely liked. Uh, like you get your your rating as well using our scale of here comes the pain. Shut your mouth, which I almost forgot, and just bring it, which means bad, eh, and good respectively. Daniel, your thoughts on the show? Yeah, so just bring it for me. This was sweet. I really I really enjoyed uh, what we got here. Uh, started off just sort of like same old same old for what we've been getting recently, but except the Zach Allen segment, I thought it had some really nice sort of like energy to it i was kind of excited to see where this was gonna go uh wanted i wanted like now i'm interested to see zach gowan get something off on these guys like i don't want him to have to rely on mr america so i'm excited there and then we, it just kept getting better i thought it was a show that just kept stepping it up um the whole kurt angle return was a shining spot i think that's my highlight of the night i really mm. liked kind of where they went like just kind of we got a hero Kurt Angle we get kind of a genuine moment of brotherhood and fellowship there and then we get a wrestling show ending with a great main event and it's just like okay can we just get more of this please like I would I would love if weekly wrestling television 
always centered around one or two. And again, this is what AEW does, right? AEW is being really good at this, where they kind of have their sort of showcase. Like, you're gonna next week, you're gonna see this and this, and like NXT is really good at this too, right? Like, yeah, you're see for these sure. matches, and then you build a show around those things, so that like I know that like, hey. I'm going to watch wrestling. I'm going to see all the stuff that I enjoy and all the stuff I don't enjoy, you know, backstage segments, all sorts of funny stuff happening, some quick wrestling matches. But I also know that I'm going to get something that satisfies my appetite for wrestling. So this show delivers on that front, has lots of entertainment, has lots of quick throwaway stuff that still does not say it's welcome. Uh, the, the, the women match segment here doesn't do anything terribly offensive. It's entertaining, fun, quick, good. Yeah, I think it's just, it was aces all around. Really enjoyed this week's SmackDown. Yeah, I mean, it's totally strange to hear someone in 2021 say they're excited to see Zach Cowan wrestle. I totally get it, though. Uh, you know, on some level, like, there's the desire. They, they are building it up where you, you, there's going to be some comeuppance to happen here, hopefully. It needs to happen. And I think you made a great point, Daniel, that the show seems to kind of just ramp up towards, uh, you know, better and better stuff. And you have distinct feel-good moments on a show where a guy comes back, you feel good, you're, ha- you're happy he's back, no one turns on him, and then you have a main event where people, there's a great feel-good finish. It's one of the most feel-good finishes I've ever seen in a wrestling show, really, because you, you literally have the guy's family crying right there. And we see yeah. family and stuff like that on wrestling. And with the history, with these guys, what's happened since then, it's even more satisfying to see Rain and his family do stuff. Because he's like, yeah, they're still together. It's lovely. Yeah, yeah, it's, so this, it is. It is. It's nice. This is also Just Bring It For Me. So it's a great thing. Join us next week on SmackDown 6 Podcast. We're covering the 200th episode of SmackDown. It's a June 12, 2003 episode of SmackDown. The main event is quite the explosive finish. Just going to say that again. Uh, look, hope you can a, real, follow us. a real bell ringer. That's right. Hope you can join us on uh, our social media, uh, on Twitter and on uh, Instagram, SmackDown 6 Pod on there. Share the podcast with a friend if you think they'll like it. Uh, this is a big show coming up there. Uh, didn't mean to say big show. Uh, it's also <laughs> Paul White's wrestling day. <laughs> hard to avoid that. Always hard to avoid it. Uh, but, yeah, looking forward to that. Share it with a friend. Uh, next week will be great uh, as well. And, uh, Daniel, speaking of a friend, so glad to have you on here, buddy. Really glad to, to be with you here. And uh, your, your punch board on you continue the uh all the great stuff with board games on your channel uh how can people find you there just, just type in punch board party into their their computers and yeah, they'll if, get you if you punch board party you're gonna find me uh yeah. you'll also find a bunch of lovely ladies doing crafts of uh punch boards for birthday parties so you know nice. whichever you like if you like board games if you like arts and crafts you google punch board party on youtube there you're good you're good to go there we go you, you pick the one that seems on this show Love it. Love having you, man. Love to, love to do that. And uh, I'm excited because next week we're going to have uh, those punch board women on, which is really good, really good for us. Excited <laughs> to do right. that there. To, they're they're going to break this back down. Absolutely. Folks, thank you so much for joining us uh, once again on the SmackDown 6 podcast. And uh, as I let you go today, I just want you to think about uh, how great it would be if you saw a guy wrestling in the ring while he's holding a sandwich. Wouldn't that be special? I think it would. Have a great day.